Welcome back to the Brace Yourselves podcast, episode number 15. It is the morning after the night before. And bloody Burnley is said universally by all Liverpool fans, Ian. What a night for me, for you, for anyone in the title race. Because effectively, it's just been bust wide open. Massively. Like, I don't know, we were expecting a team to beat Liverpool and like change the table but I never had money on Burnley I don't know what it was I just thought that game was going to be an easy one for Liverpool um but they're really starting to show the cracks like I mean, really Klopp's outburst in the tunnel insanity and the fact that he's like uh what, what was the quote he said he's like oh we, we weren't meant to lose but we lost what is that? Like it's arrogance and entitlement. Yeah. And this is the problem. Exactly. And what happens to any iconic team that you can think of the last ten years? We had the Tiki Taka Barcelona. We had the powerhouse yeah. of Bayern Munich. You all end up getting absolutely railed at some point because you start <laughs> to buy into your own hype too much. For sure. Barcelona did it, they got complacent, it was the death of them. I remember Bayern Munich getting beaten by Real Madrid 4-0 one night in the, the Champions League semi-final. And it's like, what? And they were like, at, the mo- yeah. at, at that point in time, they were the kings of football. Your time will come, Liverpool. You, you have had a good couple of years. Just because you didn't win the title, because you had incredible competition in Manchester City when they got their centurion year, it doesn't mean that you haven't been playing good football for a couple of years. And as we know, historically, apart from the reigns of like Sir Alex and stuff and, and Guardiola at different clubs... Every four years, you've got to rebuild that squad. The complacency sets in, you start losing games. And you've had probably yeah. about four years. Now, yeah, Liverpool are completely rife with injuries. I, com- I understand that completely, but it's not their defence that's letting them down. And I- we can talk about that more when we talk about the ball draw at Anfield that United was involved in. It's mm. their attack. They can't score. Yeah, this was going to say, like, they're not, they don't look like the champion side they were. Like, when they beat Spurs, they, they looked like a champion side because they went to the final minute and they kept playing, they kept playing the game and we couldn't handle that. Then at Man United it was starting to fizzle out, it didn't look like it was going to happen and then Burnley have just got the run of the luck and gone now's our chance, let's go in and get there and champions shouldn't be doing that and I think Man City are proving why they've been champions consistently because they're just putting away points now they know how to finish off games yeah, and if that is my only worry at the moment. At the moment, I'm half one leg in, uh, 21 is downloading, and then I'm like, yeah, Man City are starting <laughs> to do what we're doing because United are grinding out results and City are grinding out results. And because they have a game in hand, we have to treat every game like a cup final now on. You know, We might be going to Sheffield United on yeah. uh, next Wednesday night. We have to smash them. We have to beat Arsenal. We have to beat Southampton. We have to beat Everton. And we have to hope that City drop points at this point in time. Or... You keep that momentum rolling, you go to City, you beat them, bish, bash, bosh, you're the champions. So it's an interesting season. But also there's a couple of other players that are kind of being ignored by us in the mainstream media. Leicester City are very much in this title race and no one really seems to be discussing yeah, it. for sure. Spurs, if they start to find a little bit of consistency, will go above Liverpool in their next game. And also, I believe you are playing them in your next game. Yeah. So it's a, it's a big point decider there yeah <laughs> it's, a also, big, it's a it's a big test but at the moment they can't score and if they can't score against a Mourinho side who are known for playing so compact 
you know, I think Liverpool could quickly fall away here. And a lot of Liverpool fans that might listen to this or friends of ours like Owen. So, Owen, if you listen to it, there's your name drop, mate. It, you are very close to being out of this title race, in my opinion, because points amass quickly. You're already six points behind United now. You could be seven points behind City. And every time historically that you've been behind City, you've never been able to get back in front of them because they know what it's like For to sure, win. Yeah. And look, we've said it here, and it's a cliche, and it's a football cliche around the world. It's harder to retain the Premier League than it is to win the Premier League. And Liverpool are showing how mm. hard it is. Yes, they have injuries, but champions must adjust. They, if they desperately, desperately, desperately wanted to have the freedom to push so aggressively forward, they should have bought someone this January. At the moment, yeah. we're 22 days in. I'm hearing they're not buying anyone. I'm hearing we're not buying anyone. I'm hearing nobody's buying anyone, pretty much. I think, yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I wonder if there's a concern about the virus as well playing into that and bringing someone in and then, you know, not only do they have to spend that spell quarantined, you then have to have the spell where they're in the squad and it's like, is that just too long to get someone on the pitch and make a difference? Like, or is it, you know, you bring them in, they bring something with them. Like, it's it's a lot of worries, I think. But I think everyone's just going, look, this is the units that we've got and maybe we just strengthen it from here because we're all going to take beatings. And and so you don't you want to keep the bond and strengthen your teams and move forwards in that way. Yeah, uh, th- there's definitely an element of that too. I think maybe if you brought someone in on January 1st, you could have had time for them to come in, be quarantined, still have an impact because of the season and potentially postponements of games. I think, look, let's be completely honest, uh, clubs don't want to spend money. That, that's probably the truth as yeah, well. True. And uh, I think clubs don't want to sell their their assets. So the the, mm. you know, the European clubs that they're looking at don't want to reduce the price of their players and would ra- rather wait to see what happens with the vaccine. I think because the vaccine is so in sight, and uh, maybe yeah. a new hope is in sight, or whatever Star Wars reference for any of you nerds out there, that maybe clubs are like, well, hang on, we'll just hang on to it until next summer, and maybe things will be back to normal. For sure. And then maybe we don't it's have to sell them for you know, 30 million when we could sell them for 55 million. That's prop. That is prop. Yeah, it does make a lot of sense. So yeah, I don't blame clubs for doing that. Right. So we are doing the new race showcase format. We're no longer talking about every game. We're talking about the key games of the weekend or or the game week rather, because what is the weekend anymore when it comes to football? It's completely (laughs) irrelevant. Yeah, what we got? We got one game this weekend. We've got one game this weekend. Obviously there's the FA Cup on this weekend as well, which is only because Villa got knocked out that they can now play this against Newcastle this weekend. And Newcastle don't have to play as well. But nevertheless, obviously, there is a very good game on this weekend, Manchester United versus Liverpool again in the FA Cup. Mm -hmm. But we, you know, this this podcast is about Premier League games, so that will be our focus. So, Ian, we will kick off. I can't do the the JR voice, but uh, Big Sam with the choke slam. West Brom versus Wolves, or Wolves versus West Brom, because it was at the Molyneux. Good game. Really, sometimes, I think there's this perception about West Brom that they're always going to be involved in boring fixtures. Yeah. yeah. They either get hammered or they scrape a 1-0 draw. So when I, when I looked at the scoreline, I was like, no, what? And I wanted to talk about this game because of two things, really. Not really because of West Brom. And sorry, West, any West Brom fans that listen to this. You guys are terrible, in my opinion. I played with two West Brom fans the other night on some Call of Duty through a mutual friend, and yeah. they both agreed with that sentiment. They, they think they're going down. 
that, that, was, the, that was the consensus. There's a lot. There's a lot of hopelessness yeah. there, and Big Sam doesn't really seem to be having the magic touch that he usually does when it comes to mm. the only big scalp he's had is a draw at Anfield. Yeah. Other than that, I've not been shocked by any response, and I think Billich even had some better results, like a three-three with Chelsea, like a one-one with Manchester City. So. In hindsight, that sacking looks a little bit questionable. Anyway, the, the, the thing I really want to talk about was how Wolves. What the? What's going on at Wolves? Why are they losing okay. to West Brom? I know it's like that situation you're saying. Like the same with Wolves. You'd never like expect a thriller out of them. You know they're just going to creep by one nil, two nil, get the job done. But like you're saying, what is going on? They're not getting it done. They're not cohesive. They're not following through on stuff. It's bizarre. I mean, there's talent in that squad, and I think, you know, I'm a big fan of Adama Traore, or I was, but maybe he's not as good as I thought he was, because this season he's struggling to get assists, struggling to get forward, not having the same impact. You know, last season, Jurgen Klopp called this man unplayable on his night. I haven't mm. seen that at all this year, and it can't just be because Raul Jimenez is injured, and obviously we all wish Raul Jimenez a you meant it's a speedy recovery from that horrific, horrific Indeed. skull fracture that he got. But man, they look like a shell of a team without uh, Raul Jimenez, didn't they? They they just they can't. Well, they do score. This is the problem. Wolves do score. And last season they were our bogey team. I used to be scared of going to Wolves because I was like, mm. oh, they would either be a draw or they'll beat us one nil or something. Yeah. They look. I think they fell into the trap prematurely what Leicester fell into and it's why it's taken Leicester so long to sort of get back up into the conversation again which is essentially that they sold too many players that's my opinion of Wolves they're, yeah. they're too happy they sold what Diego Yota they were willing to sell Jimenez they were they said they would have sold him if, if someone had met their valuation and it's like what they bought in Nelson Semedo from Barcelona who looks like he's just like what have I done with my life why have I come here <laughs> I think we're going to see an exodus at Wolves. I think maybe a lot of players leave next season. And by the way, by United, by Ruben Neves, what a player he is. Yeah, he looks solid. He looks very good. Yeah, it was, it was, a, it was a blockbuster game. And that's why I've gone with the, the, the Sum Slam Choke Slam from Big got... Sam. It was like <laughs> no Straight out the gates of it. Obviously, West Brom got two penalties. And uh, Bonnie came back into a side after being out for three games and gave away a penalty straight away. But then he equalised with the redemptive think, arc. Indeed, but I think if you're giving away two pens, it's kind of showing the fragility of that team. Like, you're, you're making last-minute ditch challenges. You're not cohesive. You're letting people through. I know everyone goes, oh, your pens are just pens. It's not. This is a team not being able to gel and bond anymore. And maybe it is fallout from Jimenez's... Uh, injury and they're kind of suffering a bit but yeah it's it's not a cohesive team you can't give away two pens a game like the, the thing is people are pushing that narrative they're saying oh you managed you managed you managed but i don't think it is because wolves had a really bad start to the premier league last season they mm. lost like the first they, they didn't take many points from the first eight games and then they massively recovered they've always had a good game or two in them against the big six i mean they beat city they did the double over city last year <laughs> What? Where are they? You know, what's? let's be having you, Wolves. Where are you? I just... The thing <laughs> is, as a neutral, you always like there's someone to be in the middle of the pack, causing yeah. a little bit of mayhem for the others in the middle of the pack. But for sure. 
they just seem to be slipping away. And obviously, maybe we say this year that Villa are the new Wolves. And that's great. Yeah, I think, yeah, Villa or, well, West Ham. And West Ham are just leaping forwards now. They're, you know, know. two points off of fourth place. Moyes proving us all wrong seven years later. Why didn't you do that at United, Moyes? (laughs) Here's an interesting stat about West Ham that I saw earlier. They're the only team this season to not have had a penalty. Oh, for real? Yep. Wow. What, uh, conceded or given, is that? Given. Okay. They've, they've not because, had a penalty. And they're still seventh. Yeah, so testament yeah, to them. Yeah, but that's because they got, they freaking got Haller on their team who just hits it from anywhere and it goes in. He's like, bicycle kick? Sure. From the edge of the box? Sure. Yeah. Like, but they don't need the pens. Ian, I have to give you some breaking news. They sold Sebastian Haller at the start of this month. For real? Did they? That's stupid. They <laughs> made think, a mistake. I think the January transfer window, a lot of people I've found have, don't really know what's going on. It's all very under the I radar. Honestly, as much as I've tried to stay on top of football, like I've only seen like the top stories. I'm like, these don't seem interesting. It's just guesswork. But he, yeah, I've missed that they got rid of him. They bought they bought him for 40 million from Frankfurt, I think, and then they sold him to Ajax for 25 million pounds. Oh, that I, seems like a mistake. I don't know. Like a big mistake. <laughs> I, I don't know. But nonetheless, he was a good player. And the thing is, Haller, again, suffers from a lot of uh, modern pro- footballers' problems, I think, which is he'll score a wonder goal, but he can't do the basics. Mm. So he, can't yeah, score exactly. the, he can't score the tap-in from six yards, but he'll do a bicycle kick. Mm. And it's like, well, yeah. you know, that's why the likes of Shearer, Kane, Cole are so prolific, because they can do the tap-in. They can do the mm. tap-in from six. But like, like Cavani yeah. against Fulham. Right, it bounces back. He just he just lashes it in, and it's a sign of a, an instinctual sure. striker. That that's that's what he lacks. So yeah. you know, maybe West Ham will benefit from that. Anyway, that, well, that was the that, you know that was the first game. I just wanted to talk about it a little bit because I thought it was, everyone was talking yeah, about oh, being a derby, a derby, and I guess really it's it's a derby that the Premier League hasn't seen in a while, and it was a good game. So I hope the, the rest of um, the, the Wolves West Brom derbies are as good as that. But Ian, we have to talk about Spurs, and even though. Somehow, you seem to have dropped... Every other week, you seem to be dropping points, and you're still in the title race. I don't understand what's going on. <laughs> I, I really don't know how to explain it. And, like, we score early. We score early every single game, and my heart sinks. You know, I've got the app, and it pops up and goes, you've scored within five minutes. I'm like, no, no, why have we done it again? We've done it again. And, it, you know, it happens this week. You know, Sheffield bounced back after we go 2-0 up, and it's like why do we keep scoring early? And we did the same against Fulham and they bounced back. And it's just, a, like, we go out there with such force. We're like, let's do it. And then we're like, probably not. Probably let's just give it a bit. But we're losing, as Spurs always do, we're losing the dumb games. We're dropping points against Fulham. We're dropping points where we shouldn't be. And, you know, at the beginning of the season, we were lucky we turned up against a Man United that didn't turn up. And we smashed it. And we're like, great, let's take them points. And they're the, and I think they're the games that have been clinical. Yeah, we you don't want to play us now, do you? <laughs> no. Um, wait, we'll take the team that you had earlier in. We'll take that old uh, Ollie team. We'll take that team. But I think we, we earned a lot of points early on. And so now where we're dropping them, it's just keeping us up there. And we're still winning the odd game. And it just keeps moving us up. And, like, we looked a lot better against Sheffield. Although I don't know how, you know, you let them through and get a goal. You should be finishing Sheffield off. No offence to Sheffield. I know they're on their resurgence after beating Newcastle. Like They're doing some stuff now. But it is a team where you're like three points, clean sheet, potentially. But yeah, I don't know. It's just, we need, we need to stop scoring early. Like, it just scares the living shit out of me. That's the England curse, mate. 
it England is, it always is. score early. Where do we score early? World Cup to the final. Where do we not go to? The final. England <laughs> are terrible at maintaining a lead, but when it when it's a battle or you know the thing is you need more goals to kill off the game. I even said this mm. um, against when Fulham played United the other night. I was like, well, two one, let's kill the game off, and it really went yeah. to the wire. Uh, I think Spurs, Mourinho's indignant, man. He's one of the most indignant managers. Oh, 100%. Ever. Oh, I've not met him, but I've ever seen him. I've ever seen in the world. I feel like I've met him for all the shit he did at United. But I think Fulham, I guess it's kind of a derby. Not really, but it's a London-based match, which are always a little bit more tricky. But when you scored first and Kane scored that wonderful header, I was like, you should smash these guys now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Then you didn't, and you you welcome in welcome in, and maybe look. We talk about poetic justice in football, or the you know the calm of football. Look, Scott Parker used to play for Tottenham. He used to play for Fulham. Yeah. So maybe that was the X factor on the night. He really wanted to beat his old club or get something for get a point of his own club. That can happen. That can motivate and galvanise players. You know, oh, I used to play for these guys. Come on, guys, if you really yeah. if you really back me, let's go out there and show them what we're about. I just think Fulham are a, a difficult side, and I, I can I can say that with my chest considering mm. you know what went on the other night but I think Spurs just again win one draw one win one draw one win one draw one it's not good enough to win the Premier League in my opinion you have to be winning four drawing one winning four drawing one you know or yeah that, that's 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 the way to the title is, well this is why I brought up Man United because we started the season. We went out and we started it and we were gunning for it and we were running and that's where we've picked our points up. And now that the season's caught up to us, it's showing that we don't quite have the ability that we had at the beginning because we could beat those teams and we were ready and we were fresh. But now we're kind of, you know, not settling into our new system. We're used to the new system. We don't know how to use it to our advantage. We're just sitting and relying on it working for ourselves rather than making it work. Yeah, I agree with that. And I think you're missing a quality centre-back. I think that's the real issue. I think no, no yeah. disrespect to Eric Dyer, but he's not an out-and-out centre-back. And no. maybe in hindsight, how good was Doherty in terms of, uh, or Doherty, whatever it may be, as a signing? I think he's been fairly inconsistent. Obviously, he got that stupid red card. Um, maybe if he had the freedom of a yeah. defensive line that was compact enough to, when he burst forward, he wouldn't have to always track back. But I think... This is the problem for Mourinho in the last couple of years. Mourinho wants to play so defensive, but I don't think he has the quality of defenders to do it. And maybe he's lost his ability mm. to man management. But I tell you what, uh, Regulon, Regulon, whatever it is, he's been a good signing mm -hmm. for you. And his, his deliveries solid are mental. Absolutely mental. Mm. And someone said to me the other day, they were like, would you trade the delivery of uh, Regulon for the defensive capabilities of Luke Shaw? I was like, well, right now, no because Luke Shaw is actually doing very well. I mean, he's not contributing on the attack, but defensively, he can defend. And United need that yeah. desperately right now. But I think with Spurs, someone said to me the other day, they thought Harry Kane wasn't world-class. And they, obviously, there was a little bit of bias because they were, they were non-English and there's a little bit of a bit of rivalry there. But right, yeah. I started on this journey down underrated English football players, which is going to sound like the mm. worst national pride sort of thing in the world, but it's not. <laughs> but I do think there's a stigma about English players not getting the credit they're due. I think we could say, obviously, the likes of uh, Gerard Lampard, Skulls, Andy Cole, Shearer, mm -hmm. Michael Owen, they all get their plaudits. But there is a, the modern game, Wayne Rooney is massively disrespected, even though he's the second all-time Prem goal scorer, United's all-time top goal scorer. England's all-time top goal scorer, won five Premier Leagues, a Champions League, 
th uh, four FA, uh, four League Cups, uh, an FA Cup, and like Community Shield and a Cup World Cup. I'm mm. sorry, what? How can he be overrated? Yeah, I just wonder. I just, I just wonder if it's a thing of image because, like, all those players you've spoken about, they have an image. Like, everyone knows who Owen is. Whereas, if you, like, a boring commentator, that's well. what they know now. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Like they have an image, the same with the likes of Beckham, Gerard, Lampard. They're just known as faces, I think. Whereas Rooney and Kane, like they suffer so much in the press. They never get good press. It's always against them. Um, I don't think they have that kind of image that allows. I know this has nothing to do with football, but this is how so many people perceive it is what the press gives them and what gets sold on them and how they're presented to the world. And you know, Kane and Rooney get a raw deal when they're presented to the world. Unlike Sterling, he gets presented quite handsomely. Yeah, he's had a few faults, but, you know, he's all over YouTube. He's all over Twitter. He's in those spaces and people know who he is. And I know it's a weird thing to be talking about when we're talking about level of skill, but that's what people base it on because they're not watching the players. They're just going, oh, I've heard this. And who's getting circulated over Kane and that likes it's the likes of Sterling? Kane's voice is not his fault, right? This is what people need to understand. His presentability is not is shouldn't be the defining factor on whether he's considered a legend of the game or not, or whether he's world class. That's absolutely Honestly, ridiculous. Yeah. I would not say Raheem Sterling is world class because I don't think he can do it in big games. No. That would be my semi factor. Here's a stat for you: in 24 appearances against Man United, do you know how many goals Raheem Sterling scored? Zero. Exactly. And that's and yeah. I know, I'm so confident when he goes into the box against United that he will miss because the, the, the mental thing was there. And I've seen a lot, of, a lot of football fans see only his Man City success and only his Man City goals. But I have seen Raheem Sterling play for England and he never Same. turns yeah. up. Usually he never turns up at all. And then occasionally he'll get a hat-trick and everyone will go, oh my God, isn't Raheem Sterling so good? I'm like, exactly. no. Like, where is that level of free kick taking against Palace for England? I know. I know. I know. And that free kick against Palace was great. It was a really good free it was kick. Incredible. It was class. I'll, I'll happily say that. And, I, yeah. Uh, the man does best in the City lineup. But again, that's just a testament to how good Guardiola is as a coach and the best that he can get out of players, in my opinion. Because I believe if you take Pep out of that equation and you put another manager in, you'll see a massive drop off from Sterling. And to be sure. honest, I think we've seen a drop off from Sterling this season anyway, because usually he's got yeah, much better numbers agree. at this point in the season. Indeed. But I would also like to say about Kane and Rooney is like they're players who play for their teams. Like they don't care that they're not a face of it. They're just part of the squad. Like I remember Rooney's uh, debut over at Everton. I remember Rooney doing the backtracks, like one end to the other end, just absolutely bombing it because he has to. And we've seen Kane do the same, put his head on the line, put his you know, body on the line constantly. And I think people don't add that into what kind of player that makes them because they feel like they're part of a team. You know, Rooney is Man United, Kane is Spurs. Like, that's who they were and that's who they are. doesn't matter where they go. Yeah. They're always going to kind of have that connotation. I, I agree. I and don't I think, think what you're saying is essentially that they were never the star mans of their team. Maybe Kane has been the star man at times for Spurs, but effectively there's always been talent there, which has shared the limelight. Mm. And because of that, yeah. you know, a lot of these uh, legends that we talk about, Owen was a star man at Liverpool then you've and Newcastle. And then you've got Shearer, who was the star man at Newcastle and still did bits there, but because of how good he was. Andy Cole did bits mm. at Newcastle and he was a star man at United. And I think because obviously they've had a tremendous wealth, at least Rooney has had a tremendous wealth of talent around. Everyone's like, oh yeah, but without Ronaldo and this, the Roy, and, and, and you're like, well, hang on, hang on. You know, it's disrespectful. 
because you you know you still have to score the goals, you still have to get to the assists. Rooney's also got nearly uh, nearly triple digits in assists as well, and again, mm. massive disrespect. But anyway, we've gone off on a tangent here, so we should probably we return haven't to this. <laughs> but you know, obviously, we're talking about Son as well is uh, mm. another star man at Spurs, and exactly. you know, this I was saying someone about what the frustrating thing about Spurs as a neutral is is that somehow you keep drawing these games, but uh, Sun's got 12 goals, Kane's got 12 goals and 10 assists. What? How? Because if, anyone, if anyone's going to get the goals in the game, you know it's Sun and Kane. Like, they just link up so effortlessly. Oh, like, again, like, when he missed Sheffield. I know. Oh, I was like, oh my God, that's going to be a lush goal. And it clipped the bar. Well, that was a beauty. But yeah, these things. Honestly, this week, how many bar hits were there? Sorry, the woodwork came into play so much. Loads, 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 loads. It happens sometimes, it though, doesn't it? It's just the way it is. But what I will finally say about the Spurs game is obviously at this point in game against Fulham, but all the, good, all the goals in Sheffield were good. And you finally, when Sheffield gave you a little tap back, you went, no. And you killed off the game. Mm. And yeah. in Don Bele's goal, was mental. I was like, what the hell is that? And that's gone Where did that in. come from? I don't think he meant it. A lot of people would say, uh, well, maybe he uh, maybe he meant to shoot. I just don't think it meant to loop that much over the keeper. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but regardless, yeah, he, the man, I'll tell you what, about Ndombele, I know you haven't watched the Amazon Prime documentary, it's about Spurs, but Mourinho doesn't like him. It's very clear that he does not like him and he doesn't rate him and that he was a potch signing and Mourinho isn't about that sort of midfielder. But I tell you what, and do you know what? They have to do a lot of man management and ego stroking with Ndombele because they have to take him to a meeting. He's having crisis talks and he wants to leave and go back to France. He has set, he has dug his heels into the sand and said, I am going to play for this team. And yeah. so he has turned up in recent weeks and he's getting, he's going under the radar with credit, but He's always getting an assist, a goal. His passing ability is fantastic. And now that he seems to have adapted to the physicality of the Premier League, I think, you know, maybe that one's going to pay off, would be my opinion. Yeah. And I think he's the negative solid. shit that he's getting from Mourinho, it ha- hasn't beaten him down. It's rolled him up. And that's always a good thing. Mm. Yeah, so, sure. yeah, I rate him. Anyway, should we move briefly on to... Let's talk about the two Man United games together, because then we can get that done. Yeah, go on. Let's get started. And, and then we can talk the other ones. So, obviously... I will say now, yes, I was all very jovial and happy last podcast for anyone who listened. And of course, Man United didn't get to the Carabao Cup final, but Ian's team did. So congratulations to you, Ian, and congratulations to Spurs. I hope that you beat Man City. I will enjoy it very much oh, if you yes, do. please, please. And Mourinho will be so ungracious that I'll want to inject it into my veins. Um, but I think a lot of United fans thought maybe we could beat Liverpool and Fielden. To be honest, I think there's an argument that we could have. I'll, I'll just do it like a brief analysis of the game because it is quite a boring one. Essentially, here's how it played out for me. Team selection was good, apart from I reckon we should have played Bailly instead of Lindelof. But Lindelof played okay, so I can't be too critical. Uh, Marcus Rashford had one of the worst games I've ever seen him have in a Man United shirt. He was offside seven times in that game. Unacceptable. And also, team selection, I, I did say it was good, but Pogba played right wing, which was interesting for me but I think Hmm. obviously Oli was trying to protect the back line and this game in hindsight might be a pivotal game because I think it was important I know obviously we want to win every game I think it's important that we didn't lose to Liverpool that mentally we still had the edge on them yeah you know they still had to play catch up on us obviously that allowed unfortunately City back into the title race but it is what it is You, you have to take each game as it comes now 
Um, Liverpool were oh, look incredibly frustrated and could not score. I, I know it's a cliche and commentators often say it or pundits often say it. I think Liverpool could have been out there for three hours and they wouldn't have scored. They just don't have well, the cutting think, edge. Indeed, I think there's a little bit of credit to Man United in that situation because you pick Salah, you knew he was the danger man and you literally put your back four on him anytime he got the ball there was three people on him and someone waiting to pick it up and again credit to Salah he was wriggling his way out of that like he that man is unstoppable but that was just sapping his energy he was out of the game and obviously Firmino had to you know pick up the dregs and luckily for you he can't hit the you know the goal to save his life at the moment Firmino is one of the most overrated footballers in the Premier League in my opinion and I'm not going to get too too dive too deeply into that but he I think he's incredibly overrated I remember the narrative of people saying he's a defensive striker. That's the biggest oxymoron I think I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> Sorry. You're a striker. If you're a, if you're a defensive striker, you're a holding midfielder. Sorry. That's what you're essentially saying. Yeah. And look, maybe later in his career, Firmino will come back. Who knows? But right mm. now, not getting the goals he should be getting uh, in that starting lineup. And considering, yeah. I think in 2018, all of them scored over 10 in the Champions League. Mane. I mean, especially Salah. in... Oh, yeah. And like the Man United game is his moment to shine because you've shut out Salah, so he should be stepping up to the plate and scoring. But he Puts just it straight down to the do throat it. of De Gea, and I was very happy to see yeah. it. So essentially, I think United's game plan was to make it through the first half an hour of the press, which we did. We started to come in. I mean, the counter was always on because they had to play Henderson at the back. Mm. I mean, I think the argument's going to be there's, no, there's going to be no credit for United this season, Ian, because effectively all Liverpool fans are going to say is, well, we didn't have Van Dyke. That's and, and Gomez. And that, that, that will be all we hear. But the true football fans know their issues is not defence. Because Fabinho's doing a good job at the back, and Henderson is as well. They've also got a wealth of talent in the midfield that they can bring on in James Milner and Thiago. And Thiago had a pretty good game. Uh, United missed, United could have won the game at the death, 100%. Mm. United missed opportunities. Fernandez un- was very unlucky not to score. It was, uh, but the thing yeah. is, people don't talk about it enough. People wanted to criticise Bruno and they want to pr- 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 criticise Pogba. Alisson had an incredible game. Mm-hmm. He, I, I couldn't see Alisson being beaten and he turned up. And then obviously this week, Alisson was absolutely woeful. It happened sometimes. Look, a derby makes certain players rise to the occasion. They sure. get a fire in their belly. And it doesn't always mean that one team has the fire in their belly and the other team doesn't. It means that individuals can, and that can change a game. Mm. Uh, Cavani, Rashford should have played Cavani through. I, I was screaming at him. And I'm a big, a big lover of Marcus Rashford and I'm a big criticizer of Anthony Martial, but I know Martial would have passed the ball there. That's the difference. And <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Rashford needs to. You know, it's all good. It's like a flip of a coin, right? If you score, you're a hero. If you lose, if you miss, you're a villain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the, that's the fickle nature of football. And if you if you think you have the cojones and the skill and the ability and the ego to score, fine. But you better fucking score. <laughs> because if you don't, that's the all, truth. all you're going to do is get criticised. And yeah. I, yeah, I know it sounds redundant to say it, but that is the truth of the game. If Salah shoots from 40 yards, suddenly he's crap if it goes over the bar. But if he goes top bins, he's world class. The sport is yeah. fickle. There's nothing that can be done about that. I, I rate Marcus. And people forget he's still very young. He's so young. Uh, mm. But the decision-making has to get better. He has to stop closing his eyes on uh, headers. He has to stop uh, looking down uh, and going for goal every time. He needs to look up and look at options. Look at Lookman when we played Fulham the other night. Before Lookman shot, he looked, which I know sounds like a terrible, mm-hmm. cheesy pun, but he looked to see if there was an option. There yeah. wasn't. He shot and scored. That's the way to do it. 
You know, you can't have tunnel vision. And unfortunately, Rashford suffers, is suffering from a huge case of it. Obviously, I don't want to lambast the man too much because of his work off the pitch, but really need him to start. Because the thing is, Pogba, we need to talk about Pogba because Pogba is on unreal form. The man mm. is sensational at the moment. That goal against Fulham, I had naughty dreams about it. And I'll continue to have naughty dreams about it because it was filth. Because not only did it not have an assist, it was the takedown. He beat three men and he kicked and he booted it in with his left foot from about uh, 25 yards out. What the fuck is that? Yeah. Where's, where have you been the last four years, Paul? Right? He's <laughs> against Burnley. He's rising to the occasion. And look, maybe it's because he's trying to put himself in the shop window. Fine, Paul. I'm happy for you to continue to put yourself in the shop window every goddamn week until we win the Premier League. Mm. That's, yeah, that's I definitely feel like the mentality. Yeah. He's he's got a point to prove, especially you know, he looks slightly more sluggish coming back from COVID because he's you know he can't get back to that fitness level that he once was. But he's having to adapt his game. He's like, look, I need to be on this pitch week in week out. I may not be able to run like I used to, but look what else I can do. And he's proving it constantly. Like you're saying, like he's striking from further out because he's got the talent and he's got the belief now that he can do it. And he has to prove it because he can't go storming into the box because he's got to save his energy. Yeah. So he's changed his game up and it's great to see. As you said at the beginning of this podcast, I don't want to come up against that Man United side. Like I don't anymore. Like because Pogba could be anywhere smashing it in. You got Cavani who's ready and waiting every second of the day. Doesn't matter where that ball drops, Cavani's there. Then on top of that, you've got, you know, uh Fernandez just trying everything he can to finish the game off. And it's like, I don't want to come up against that. That's scary. I'll be objective here. Bruno is having a bad streak right now. He's having a bad couple of games. He was better against Fulham. He was not very good against Liverpool. He's better in the second half. But it's important that other players, you know, the, the question was, what happens if Bruno gets injured or goes on a bad run of form? Well, we're now we're getting the answer, which is that Pogba yeah. can step up. Cavani can step up. That It's important to have an answer to that question. I think what's most interesting for me is a lot of the media narrative is that, you know, Klopp is a passion merchant. He gets the best out of his players. He's passionate on the sideline. He's passionate on the bench. Here's something, and look, you might call me biased, you might call me whatever. Ole Gunnar Solskjaer doesn't act the way he does in the touchline, but I tell you what, in recent weeks, when pivotal things have happened in games, what is the response we've seen from United players on the pitch? Right? We've seen Eric Bailly being hugged by his entire team for a vital mm. block. We've seen Bruno Fernandes fling himself around in joy when we get a 93rd minute winner against Wolves. We've seen Edison Cavani roar like a fucking lion when he scores a 1-1 equaliser against Fulham because he knows it's still on. I think the United players' mentality is so right at the moment. I think they think they can win the Premier League. There is a belief there. And I don't know what Ollie's saying to them in the dressing room, but he must be riling them up in some way because that reaction from Cavani, everyone's like, oh, yeah, yeah. I'm like, but look, this man's been here for... Uh, four months and mm. he he believes he believes so there's obviously something going on the thing it's interesting because i guess really what we need to talk about tonight is less about the football and more about what's going on behind the scenes i don't know if you've seen that clip from when we beat everton uh, i don't think i have and ollie gunner solskjaer says he said how do you feel about letting your rivals see, uh, lose see you lose and ollie said something i can't remember i might be paraphrasing here but he said something along the lines of we will never give them the pleasure of letting them see us lose like that again and we haven't lost since that game yeah and i know that sounds like uh you know a, a jinx waiting to happen a, a commentator's curse waiting to happen but 
there's obviously something going on behind the scenes that people are not giving them enough credit for. I think the key thing is we're not playing beautiful football. We are at times, but we're grinding out results. And if you can continue to grind out results and just imagine if United get eight points clear, then you can lose a game mm. and bounce back. But it, for me, who have watched, spent seven years of watching United play like absolute drivel, play uh, overly defensive against Van Gaal, uh, with, uh, with Van Gaal, play mediocre football under David Moyes, play incredibly defensive football, literally sucking the joy out of the game football under Mourinho, but winning three trophies. This side feels different to me. And maybe it's the pandemic, maybe it's a one-year blip, maybe it is a one-year wonder for the whole United team and we go and do something special or at least get second. Who knows? But it mm. feels different, would be my two cents. Well, I, well, the only thing I kind of want to add to it is the only other team I feel that kind of has this passion, and you're not going to like it, is Man City. Like, they're starting to enjoy their game and they're starting... No, no, stop shaking your head. But I think, but I think it, and I think you're right when you say maybe it is due to this pandemic because we know how hard hit Man Manchester was. Are they feeling the weight of everyone around them? And then you've got the likes of Rashford doing his bit. You've got the like, like City are being hit by COVID quite hard. Man United have had their stint with COVID as well with the likes of Pogba. And you're all just coming together and being like, let's keep playing this through and get through it. And like, you're getting the joy out of football. And it's great to see. Like, I love seeing it. So I think like, you're right. I'd, hopefully it's not a one-year blip. Or if this is the catalyst to creating these teams to being so solidified and being like a team, I mean, that's a great silver lining in all of this shit. So why not take it? I mean, look, I think all I'll say on it is fuck Manchester City. I'm saying that now. <laughs> <laughs> I won't talk about it too much because we've spoken about VAR way too much on this podcast, but effectively yeah. they stole a victory the other night against Villa. <laughs> Now everyone's going to go, well, hang on, Harley, it was 2-0. Well, hang on, their first goal should not have stood at all in any shape or form. The man came from an offside position and took the ball. Tyro Mings mm -hmm. was being pressured by his presence, thus being offside. Even the VAR official that BT had brought on, an experienced referee, said that goal shouldn't have stood. It's okay, of course, whatever. City get their jammy goal, paying the league, whatever people want to say. The, the reason that so you get the second goal, it's because Villa have to come out, because Villa was sitting deep yeah. and trying to take the point. Now, you might go, oh, Harley, you're just a frustrated United fan. And yeah, of course I am frustrated, because I want to see City drop points. I definitely do. But yes, they are playing lovely football at the moment. But if we have to beat them, we will. We did it twice. We did it three times out of four last year. And I tell you Indeed. what, when they came to play us, and they were on good form, did they beat us? No. So let's see. It's a, it's a long way to go. And the thing is, you know, I start, ha have to start having this swagger and this arrogance about them because that's how Liverpool yeah, for sure. Playing. Remember, yeah. you know, City still have to play Spurs. They still have to play Arsenal. They still have to play Chelsea again. They still have to play Liverpool again. They still have to mm. play Everton. So let's let's see. You know, it's, it's a long way to go, effectively. And United have not yeah, got yeah. a favourable run to the end of the season. There's no, like, eight-game stretch where they've got easy games. It's two easy games, two hard games, two easy games. Mm. So it's all about momentum. And City have got to do the same thing. So fuck it. I'm saying bring it on. Let's see where we are at the end of the year. Yeah, You've beaten man. us in a title race once. We've beaten you in a title race once. So, you know, let's be having you. And if, I, if we do win the Premier League and it comes to the wire and the commentator on the day doesn't scream down the microphone, and Solskjaer has done it! I will never watch a game of football in my, in my life because that man will have missed the biggest opportunity ever 
to echo that famous line of commentary from when we won the Champions League at the death. Yeah. So, anyway, that's all the United talk. We'll move on from that. I hope you all enjoyed that. As you can see, I'm a very passionate football fan. And uh, look, I'm loving the season. At the start of the season, if you go back, it's it's mental. You go back to the start of this podcast, I sound literally depressed. For sure. It, and like, now we didn't I'm even like, want to talk about it. We were talking transfer news. You're like, oh, it's a load of rubbish. And now we're at this. Whereas you can see from a seasoned Spurs fan, it's just steady. And then we have a little blip and then we just go steady again. We're like, yeah, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. Yeah, but Ian, come on, let's be real. You've never won the Premier League, so there's not a precedent for it. So you can't be too disappointed. And two, you're above Chelsea and you're above Arsenal. What? Yeah, no, yeah. I, I'm, I'm having a great time. But like we're saying, we're dropping points. We're just, you know, it, it's, it's not like... You're on a high right now because you're, you're on the momentum and you never quite feel that with Spurs at times. It never feels like it's going to be this momentum because we'll go drop points somewhere and you're like... How can just, I not be just... on a high? How can I not be on a high? Let me just, <laughs> not... Let me just check something. Hang on. I'm just going to get... Hold for one, uh, oh, yeah, that's right. Six points clear of Liverpool at the top of the table. <laughs> Fuck are you, Liverpool! <laughs> Sorry, I can't, I can't help it. And I'll tell you what... That's I've got what I'm saying. Be on that with. high. I got a mate that I played COD with, and he was like, do you want to link up tonight last night? I was like, you don't want me to, mate. <laughs> you don't want me to, because I will rinse you for like three hours on COD about how hit your shots like Salah can't, like uh, Mane can't, you know. I even said to him the other night, I said, I think something along the lines of, um, you expect those players to deliver, but right now, none of those three could even deliver for Just Eat. And he was like, <laughs> very good. I was like, yeah, 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 fuck you. Because if, if United were doing terribly, You'd be right in there, too. Yeah, be in there right away. So, Enjoy it, man. That's, I'm not, I'm not going to take away your, your happiness. Enjoy it. Okay, right. So let's move on from my, my glorified mm. uh, <laughs> soliloquy, I'll call it, in, in a nice way of saying it. Um, that's, that's what Shakespeare meant by that, anyway. Um, sure. Let's move on to Yes Indeedy. And I, I, was, I was torn here between... A frank conversation or talk to Frank and okay, yeah, 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 yeah. uh, and Wilfred Ndidi, but obviously, Ndidi ran the show that night, that's why I sort of put it For down. Sure. And obviously, it's it's a good it's, it's, a, it's a good little play on words. The real there's two discussions to have here, actually. It's not it's not a, a, a clear discussion. One is Leicester the Dark Horses silently, mm-hmm. 100%. I think Madison said it in his post match, he said, We don't want to yeah. be in the limelight, we just want to keep winning games winning games but i promise you this clip this up soundbite this up brendan rogers is a bottle job and he will blow it i promise you i promise you just waiting for that downfall but speaking of another downfall time to talk about frank lampard here was an interesting narrative spin the other day and this is Mm -hmm. how fickle the sports become People were trying to say that United had be- had a better transfer window than Chelsea because of the success of the players. No, 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 no. Chelsea bought the most obscene amount of players I think I've ever seen a club buy in one window. And it tells you two things. One, there is such a thing as buying too many players because it just doesn't uh-huh. gel. And two... Lampard's not as good as you all thought he was. It's as simple as that for me. He's a terrible man-manager, I can tell you that. He is more than happy. And maybe that's learned behaviour from years of success under Mourinho, where Mourinho did this successfully, which is, you know, your team lose, you go out, you blame the players. What? 
oh, that's really going to motivate them. He came out after the Leicester defeat and was like, um, some of our players didn't even do the basics tonight. <sighs> scathing, that is. That is absolutely scathing. And do you know yeah. what? Chelsea fans are frustrated. I have a lot of Chelsea fans in my life. I have a lot of friends that are Chelsea fans. I see tr- people full-time putting, bye, Frank, bye, Frank. The test yeah, yeah. is, this is, let's be honest, Chelsea are the most fickle club in the Premier League. They mm. will get rid of managers like that, like a Thanos snap, boom, they're gone, deleted from existence. Yeah, yeah, Di Matteo yeah. won in the Champions League, bye. <laughs> you're an inter- sorry, you're interim manager, you're scum, be gone. Well, I won you the Champions League. Be gone. It's just the way of the sport now, I know, but Chelsea were the... Sure. They really started it. Yeah. This man is objectively... I don't mean... You know, I think he's the best footballer they've ever had in terms of what he did for the club. He's yeah. like the fifth sure. all-time top goal scorer in the Premier League from midfield. He won it all with them and he pretty mm. much played at them his entire career by yeah. the start and the end. He is a Chelsea man. How much... Longer will that stand with Chelsea fans? We said a couple. We said we said a couple of games. They they struggled. Let's be absolutely yeah. honest. They struggled to beat Fulham. Really, really struggled. And Fulham had to have a man sent off. And then they only won one nil. They got indeed. They weren't in this game for me. Ian. They weren't in the Leicester. Well, I think game. no. And I think we keep saying, "Oh, one more game," because that's what I think everyone at Chelsea is saying. Like. After this game, he's gone. But whatever the management are saying, they're going, one more game, one more game. And I think that's just going to repeat itself. And they're just, their season's going to go all the way down. And it's just going to come as like this mass moment where it's just like, boom, you're gone, like we're saying. But yeah, the Leicester were all over him. Like Madison had an incredible game. He was hitting it from left, right and centre. He didn't care. He wasn't, he, there was no, like if you come up against Chelsea, there is a sense of intimidation. And I know Leicester shouldn't feel it where they're sitting in the table, but they were just strolling up the pitch like, yeah, we'll have a couple of cracks at goal. Not going in, we'll just do it again. And we'll do it again. And we'll do it again. They, they weren't worried. They had no fear of Chelsea. Yeah, I think with Chelsea is they don't believe they can win games. That's the issue. No. I think it's a mentality thing. I think you can tell it with body language, with selection. Mm-hmm. I mean, people want to talk about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer as a tinker man. Lampard changes his team every other week. Yeah. I couldn't even tell you who's going to start. Yeah, Timo Werner is very frustrated, you can tell. Probably regretting the fact that he went there. Kai Havertz. They, 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 don't, they don't have a point man. You know, we, we always talk about, you know, the important parts of the field are your two ends. You know, your keeper, he can send energy all the way out the field. And then you want someone up the top that you can, you can rely on 100%. You know, the likes of Kane, where you just hit that ball, you know he's going to be somewhere near it. You know, similar with Cavani, if it's in the box, he's going to pounce on it. You need that player. And they don't have that. Like, yeah, they don't. There's no energy for that either. No one's willing to do it. I think the problem is that Chelsea uh, kill strikers. I've said this before. People <laughs> don't want to listen to this narrative, but it is 100% true. They are the greatest killer of striking ability in football. Morata, Torres, mm. Shevchenko. Werner's being killed by the day. I can tell you that right now. He's being murdered. They uh, the only one that they yeah, didn't clearly drug the Drogba curse. Yeah, that's what that's what I see it as now. It is the mm. Drogba curse because he was yeah. so prolific for them. They can't find that number nine. They just can't find it, and they keep playing Werner on no. the left, and then they play Havertz on the right, and you're like, "What are you doing?" And Ziyech looks like a misbuy. To be honest, a lot of their buys now look like misbuys. So I understand the narrative of 
Mm-hmm. They had a bad transfer window, but they had the best transfer window in terms of acquisition because of the talent they brought in. But again, if I, I scream it for the people in the back. The Premier League is the most competitive league in the world. It is yeah. the best league in the world because it, you don't get the numbers you get in Germany, in France, in Spain, because the game is so physical, so pressing, so worn down on by weather that you can't do that. So when players like Kane get 150 goals, I'm going to stand up and clap. But Werner, everyone said, predictions at start season, Timo Werner, top goal scorer. Yeah, right. In what world? And you know what? He, bad seasons can turn into bad, bad spells. That's the problem. Yeah, this could not it, just be a one. bad year. This could be, you know, we talk about one season wonders, that it goes the other way. There is such a thing as a bad season wonder or whatever, yeah. and you bounce back. But Werner's mentality is, I wouldn't be surprised. A couple of years he'd be off, go somewhere else. And yeah, I, I, I wouldn't blame him. I know, especially with, like, you know, nothing's on his side either. Like the VAR decision of the offside tight as can be but it's gone against him and it's, it's just going to crumple him even more and it's I thought like, it should have stood personally but I think it should have I, I think the fact that the linesman flagged it I'm like you saw that? Yeah. You physically saw that? I think they do a 50-50 look, kind of looked maybe offside <laughs> yeah. to me put the flag up and see what happens for sure that sort of thing you know so who knows but massive respect to Leicester City uh, doing a great job massive, again yeah. grinding out results <laughs> Uh, and again, I'm happy with uh, the the level that United are playing at by comparing our rivals. We drew with Leicester, and Leicester mm. have gone on to beat two teams that they should have, on paper, at least dropped points to. So good job, Indeed. good job to the Foxes. Obviously, as you said, James Madison is absolutely having a mad lad season. He dropped off a little bit, but he's finding rich form again. And Indeed, not only is he scoring spectacular goals, but he's scoring the the uninspired. Uh, unesthetically pleasing goals that carry you to titles. Yeah, exactly. That's what you need. But yeah, next game they're going to be missing Vardy by the looks of things. Oh, that'll be fine. They'll be. F- yeah. The thing is, they've they've got other people that have stepped up to the plate now. Mm-hmm. You know, Madison, Harvey Barnes. They always seem to mm-hmm. chip in with something. Yeah. So Vardy, Vardy Leicester have got to get ready for life without Jamie Vardy because you might have him for a couple more years, but your talisman will disappear because he'll have to retire. Indeed. Indeed. Um, anyway, let's move on to bloody Burnley. We won't speak about United anymore, even though I've got it noted down here because we compressed those together. So let's talk about Liverpool briefly. Um, objectively, you guys don't look in terrible form. Well, okay, right. You guys aren't playing terrible football, but you are in terrible form, is what I would say. Mm. Uh, can't score, as we said multiple times. The interesting thing that I'd like to talk about, Ian, is how rattled Klopp is. Mm. he's so rattled and it's know, only we, like halfway through the season yeah we mentioned at the top of the podcast uh you know his his outrage in the tunnel insanity the, the insanity on the pitch as well what was that all about everything was kicking off it's entitlement though he's had too much yeah. success all at once the champions league buying into his own hype everyone they built a, they, they painted a mural of him do you know what I mean? Yeah. That, that's the issue. He's, his ego must be through the roof. You know, and, you know, but I don't think Burnley went out there with a tactic to rattle them. 
But you can do that to Liverpool. You can't wrestle Burnley. You could shovel their players. You could start a fist fight with them. Burnley would just turn back up and be like, all right, that's part of the game. We don't care. Liverpool don't like it. Liverpool don't like any of that pushing or shoving. They don't like anyone touching their turf. They're against it. So Burnley are happy if the game kicks off and gets a bit rattled and it's a bit eggy. Oh, they're they like there for it. They like yeah, a scrap. they're there Burnley. for it. They like a scrap. They're happy with it. And I think that was, you know, that was kind of the turning point in that game. Is the fact that every Liverpool player was rattled. Then they're drawn into the tunnel with a Klopp who's fuming. That's not a good half-time talk. No, 100%. And obviously, I know it goes both ways sometimes. Sometimes that really puts a fire in the belly of the mm. players. But I just think what I'd like to talk about with Liverpool is I said earlier in this podcast, it would always be a team that you didn't expect to break the Anfield record that was, and lo and behold, it was bloody Burnley, as as all Liverpool fans are saying this morning. I believed that Old Trafford used to be a fortress, right? So clubs used to hate coming there because they would they'd, they'd start to believe the hype of Old Trafford and that they couldn't win and it was kind of like there's nothing they could do it was inevitable like Thanos I mm. am inevitable so I think I said to you earlier in this podcast I think it would take one loss at Anfield and Liverpool would drop out of the title race because of their defensive in, uh, injuries sure there's a, the, now's the time to see what's going to happen we're well, some Spurs to solidify it right well the <laughs> fortress of fortitude is essentially a wreck mm. So let's see what happens. They, this could go, runs like this sometimes go for 10 games. If they let it go for 10 games, they're gone out of the title race, 100%. Sure. Because obviously United have had their bad spell at the start of the season and City have had their bad spell at the start of the season. Now Mm. we're both finding form. So interesting. Also interesting for Liverpool fans is that if Everton win either of their games in hand, they will go above Liverpool. That with... To be honest, if Everton were to win both their games in hand, they would be five points clear of Liverpool at the halfway point of the season. That must be frustrating and scary for Liverpool fans. I mean, the other thing is, if West Ham win their next game and Liverpool drop, West Ham go above Liverpool. I know. They're sitting on the same amount of points as Everton. is so tight. It's so tight. It's insane. This this title race is crazy. If United lose two games, they could be out of the title race. This is what we're talking about. That's why I'm not getting too carried away. But you have to enjoy Mm. it in the moment. Because if you don't, the moment's over and it's fleeting and it's gone forever. Um, Right, well, that was all the Premier League games I think we need to talk about. And it was uh, a wonderful weekend. Indeed, I think one deserving... Yeah, I think one deserving shout-out is the fact that Sheffield got a win. Yes, especially like, shout out to that Sheffield. just needs, yeah. But here's a negative spin on that. Took a penalty and a red card. That's all I'm going to say. It took that. a lot. And went back. They got to a win. The That's week. all. Yeah, took a lot. They got a win. And went back to losing <laughs> the following week. Look, Sheffield, I'm rooting for you. I hope you get more than 11 points. I really, yeah. really do. But let's be completely honest. You are relegated. It would take yeah, the absolute... season's already done and dusted for them. But just just miracle. keep grinding out some points, please. It would take a miracle. <laughs> Don't start grinding out points against United on Wednesday. You hear me, Sheffield? You let us batter you. I want a five nil thriller, okay? Right, so Ian, I think it's time to talk about the return of the brace showcase. Ooh. Okay, so finally, we didn't speak about the game because it was no. pretty run of the mill, but we will talk about the man from Gabon this week, Pierre Emerick Aubameyang. A word, uh, 
a showcase that I thought probably would have come earlier this year than it actually has. Because <laughs> in the last two seasons that he's been in the Premier League, he has been absolutely clinical. He Some of his numbers... Really has. He's not like a record breaker in the time it's taken to get to certain goal landmarks, but he's definitely shown his world-class ability. So, well, I mean, even, even the game we're using for the showcase, he showed that he made a meal of it. Like, he hit the post a fair few times in that game. He did, but maybe that's what the catalyst for change he needed. Lacazette scored a couple of goals and suddenly he looks much better for Arsenal. Mm. Maybe for a confidence thing, Aubameyang needed that. And maybe he's yeah. going to go and uh, go on a spree now. I mean, I hope not because we're playing them in two weeks. So I hope he has a very, very... Yeah, I can imagine. ...run-in-the-mill mediocre game against us. So, Gabon is not a nation that we talk about very much when it comes to footballers, Ian, in terms of not that they don't produce a lot, but the quality of player. And I think mm. previously when we've spoken about players from certain African nations like Rio Mares um, and Sadio Mane, that it is special when a player plays for that sort of nation and gives that exposure and opportunity to players from there because... They, it's a rarity. It, some, some, some. It could be even a, a generational talent or a lifetime talent. They may never see a player from Gabon as good as Aubameyang again. Hmm. Pierre Emerick Aubameyang started his career in France. He's actually born in France, but his father is from Gabon, which is obviously a big, a big thing in France. There's a lot of um, African nations that sort of uh, produce talent from both. Historically, and I know this through not through factual finding, but through stuff I've seen online and stuff I've seen from Aubameyang, he's actually an AC Milan fan. And okay. him and his brothers have all played at their youth academy. Now, as the first talking point, Ian, I've put Milan didn't go to plan, and it did not. Um, he started his youth career in France. He went through five different youth teams. So Nice, Laval, Rouen, Batista, and then eventually ended up at Milan in 2007 to 2008. Obviously, we're talking about Aubameyang, who's 31 now, so he's really had a whole mm. career to discuss here. So yeah. the, man, the man goes to Milan, and it doesn't go to plan. He makes zero appearances and zero goals, but in the time there, he goes on three different loan spells. So the first loan spell he went on, he went to onto Dijon, where I've actually written down here, Ian, now I'm starting to improve the formatting. I've oh, written down the goals and exists. I'm sure you saw. Oh, with that. Well so I've, I've done the in-depth dive. So to Dijon, at the right page of 18, first season in France. Again, I guess there's an element of familiarity going back to France. So it's not like going to a new nation and stuff. He actually left France to go to Italy. So yeah. returning home... 10 goals, two assists in his first season at 18. A, a very average French football inside. Very good return. Unfortunately, the next talking point I've got for us in is the Lille Shill. So unfortunately, two goals, zero assists in a whole season. Not a good return. Yikes. Then, interestingly, in his third season on loan, he did uh, like a, a split season. So he did six months at one club and six months at another, which I don't really hear about that much in modern football no. anymore it used to be a popular way of distributing talent but he went to the first club he went to was monaco uh, and in 19 mm -hmm. appearances he just got two goals not very good but then he went to saint etienne and i put saint pierre for a reason not because he did well because <laughs> he only made 14 appearances and two goals so it wasn't very prolific at all i think i've got five goals three assists over that course of a year 
he went to St. Etienne permanently after it wasn't going to okay. work out in Milan. So they acquired him for an undisclosed fee. So it would have been either astronomical for his price or very cheap, but I reckon it was probably about <laughs> a million pounds or something like that. Yeah. Um, interestingly, in his two seasons as St. Etienne, he scored 37 goals and got seven assists. Those are very good and St. Etienne's are not a very good side, or at least they might have been back there. Here's some interesting uh, comparisons, though. Aubameyang ended the second campaign there, scoring 19 goals and finishing behind only Zlatan Ibrahimovic, who, as we know at the time, was world-class, is probably still world-class, and was doing absolute crazy numbers in Paris. Mm -hmm. So to yeah. be second to him is good company to keep. In his career, he's never won a domestic league title, but he has won some major honours. So at St. Etienne, believe it or not, he has won a trophy, which is absolutely crazy to me that he managed to do that. But he won the Coupe de la Ligue final, which is a, 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 the French FA Cup. So, you know, he, he's got a little bit of taste of what it's like to be a winner. After uh, four seasons in France, Aubameyang decided he wanted to move on. And... Uh, who do you think the purveyor of youth talent in Europe, who must have every good youth player known to man, Brusher Dortmund come knocking at the door? Of course they bloody do. Of course, of course. And I don't remember him, which is interesting, Ian, <laughs> at Dortmund. I don't remember him being prolific. I don't remember him even being in the shirt, maybe towards the tail end when Arsenal were finally going to buy him. I don't remember yeah, I'm him. Sorry. At all. And I remember the likes like of Mkhitaryan and Goethe and mm. Royce. See, the, the trouble I'm having is I can picture him in the yellow shirt, but I don't know if that's Arsenal or Russia. Like, I don't know. Well, that is true. Yeah, that is true. It, 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 obviously, he's, he's a man that likes to encase his body in yellow, and that's his prerogative. <laughs> so, I put the first of his kind here because he was the first Gambonese player to ever play in the Bundesliga which is a pretty oh, impressive. record. Yeah. He, he will always be the first. I don't think he's the first in the Premier League. I did do some research on that, uh, mm. but we'll get to that when his time comes. He's also a man that has a bit of a fetish, Ian. Do you know what that fetish is? I don't, I don't know if I want to guess in case I'm wildly out there. He likes masks. And in particular, I think he's a little bit of a nerd. Right. He likes superhero masks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he scored in a vital game against Bayern Munich and pulled on a Spider-Man mask and did a Spider-Man celebration, which I thought you would get a card for, but apparently you don't, which people loved. And and he didn't take his shirt off. No, so well, that's, that's true. And then later, <laughs> but the thing is, if you do like a political symbol or something, right, you get, you get reprimanded for it. So I'm just surprised yeah, yeah, there's yeah. nothing about wearing a licensed property on your face. Do you see what I mean? Yeah. The consent? Yeah. It's a weird but, one. Of course, I can't remember what game it was in, but it was just after Black Panther had come out. He scored and he put on the Black Panther mm. mask and did the Wakanda Forever thing. The man has a fetish. We've not seen any masks since, and it's probably because his career isn't going that well. So he's not, no reason to put anything onto his chops. I'll show off these times. So in Russia Dortmund, in 144 mm. appearances, he scored 98 league goals. And he scored over a hundred goals in all competitions for Dortmund. That those are scary numbers. That's that is you can see why he's been bought. That, that ratio those numbers is say it all. 
<laughs> my god do you know <laughs> a lot yeah it's a lot and during his time he won a trophy again he won the the dfb pokal which is the german fa cup but again he was like he came to dortmund in between the the years where there was a couple of years where Dortmund won the, won the Bundesliga, challenged by, and I think it was like the 2011-2012, and uh, I think those were the Klopp years, actually. Klopp, mm-hmm. Klopp leave me alone. <laughs> um, and I think he was there when they lost the Champions League final, actually, but he didn't play. Mm-hmm. I think La- he might have played Could with have Lewandowski been. for a bit. My, my knowledge on Could Dortmund is, is a, a little bit spotty, mainly because of the way that Sancho transfer went, and I was just like, I'm never... I'm deleting all of my knowledge from you from my brain. Because um, you're fucking little bastards. And they showed their true colours. We spoke about this with Sancho. They said they don't want to be a selling club anymore because historically they've been a selling club. They are a selling club. So after four successful seasons in the Bundesliga, Arsenal finally come and knock in. And when does he move? January. One of their best players. They sell him in January for £65 million. And at the time, Madness. obviously, for Arsenal, that was the... A lot of money. <laughs> a lot yeah. of money. They've spent more a since lot then, of money. but that was a lot of money. And sometimes you think with January buys, people talk about desperation. They talk about, will they hit the ground running? Is it too much money? Is the price tag too bit? I can tell you now, most football fans will know in recent years, Pierre-Emerick Aubameyang hit the ground running very, mm-hmm. very, very quickly. Yep. His Arsenal numbers are very, very good. Especially from going from the Bundesliga, where you get a lot more opportunities to strike a goal than you do at the Premier League. A couple of interesting facts about Aubameyang in the Premier League. He's the first African captain to win the FA Cup. So That's not the first African, but the first African to captain an FA Cup winning side and win the FA Cup. He was Arsene Wenger. He scored the last goal of Arsene Wenger's career at Arsenal. And he also was the last purchase of Wenger at Arsenal. I mean, yeah, that, that's a way to cap Sankoff, isn't it? Being the last purchase, and then you prove your point by scoring the last goal under his managerial ship. Yeah. That's... Oh, yeah, and that's why, that's why I put Wenger's man down here, because Wenger wanted him Indeed. for years. And yeah, I think, obviously, Dortmund have, have waded their way into the, the hoarding mm-hmm. of youth, and Wenger loves to hoard youth, as we know. He's a big believer in yeah, youth talent, yeah, and yeah. a lot of people that he's brought up from youth level have gone on to be absolutely phenomenal footballers, and Aubameyang ticks that box left, right, and centre. As we said earlier, Pierre came in January. He has won two player of the months and he's won one golden boot, but he had to share that golden boot with two other players, which of course is an incredibly frustrating thing, I'm sure, which was Sadio Mane and Mohamed Salah. In his first season at Arsenal, when he arrived in January, he scored in 13 appearances, 10 goals. Absolutely phenomenal. Solid. Come Good numbers, league. yeah. Uh, a league you've never played in before. Nation you've probably scarcely been to before other than in professional capacity hit the ground running that's Bruno Fernandes-esque is what I would say or I guess yeah. what I should say it's is Bruno was Aubameyang-esque who knows uh, following <laughs> season in 36 appearances 6 as a substitute 22 goals oh wow okay in the following season 36 appearances 1 as a sub 22 goals then is this, this season is mental 17 yeah. appearances 5 goals before they played Bruce, Super Bruce, the Brucey <laughs> bonus, it was three goals in, in, in 16 appearances. Oh, it's just savage. That is just not... Terrible, isn't it? Yeah. And again, we obviously we speak about the fact that he got his 
big money paycheck that he wanted, which was 350k mm-hmm. a week. And all of a sudden, as soon as he got that, he seemed to drop off form, a motivation issue. Who knows? But anyway, in 100 appearances in the Premier League, he has 59 goals and 13 assists. Very good. It's a solid return for sure. He is, I think, the highest scoring Gabonese player in Premier League history, or if not, he's close. He's incredibly tall. Mm-hmm. He's an unorthodox striker because he gets played on the wing. And for someone so gangly, his dribbling ability and his flexibility and his agility is phenomenal. I will say that. And I've always re- uh, I've always uh, rated Aubameyang as a footballer. I've said this yeah. for years. He's like, again, he's the pinnacle star man at a mid-table club. Sorry, Arsenal fans. You can come at me all you want for that, but it's the truth. For a long, for two seasons, he carried your side. Now, obviously, other people are now stepping up to play, which I'm sure, as Arsenal fans, it's good for you to see. And look, he's had success at his time there. They've won an FA Cup. They've won mm. a trophy in the time that United yeah. haven't won any. Or Spurs, or Chelsea, or whatever. Do you know what it's... And they beat Chelsea in the final. And they beat Man City in the semi-final. So they can do it. There is a plethora of talent there. Is at the tail end of his career. I don't know if I would have given him 350 grand a week in another three years. Because that money could be repurposed elsewhere. But what I will say about him is he is a tremendously talented footballer. And has shown an unreal eye for goal in three different leagues. And as a final interesting fact on Aubameyang, because I looked for a couple and I, I couldn't find many, mm. he's a polygot, Ian. He speaks five okay. languages, which is an outstanding <laughs> feat, because I can only speak one. So good, yeah. good on you, Pierre. He speaks French, <laughs> English, Spanish, Italian, and German. So he's made the effort to learn the language of every nation he's gone to, uh, every national league he's gone to. And I think Dude. that... Because sometimes you get footballers that come to and, they, and they're stubborn, they don't want to learn it. And they get to, they have to do post-match interviews. They, sometimes they have translators, sometimes they have to have a, another teammate next to them to uh, help deal with the translation. And sometimes they, they literally refuse to do interviews because they can't speak English. Mm. How can you effectively learn how to play in a league if you can't communicate with your teammates around you who speak the majority of whatever language it may be? You know, like in Dortmund, I'm sure most of them speak German. Yeah, I think it's just... Accommodation to his like belief in playing football and wanting to play football that he's willing to go out and do that and like learn how to integrate himself into these teams into these cultures and be a part of it because like I say so many players yeah they just turn up and play football and rely on their skill rather than taking it to the next level and thinking intelligently about it and being like right I need to be able to communicate in these situations I love this sport why wouldn't I want to be able to communicate in these situations so I need to improve myself so yeah that's that's an incredible feat and I think it speaks to uh, a footballing intelligence. I think if you have that dedication to go off and learn another language, you show that you want to better yourself in every aspect of the game. Mm-hmm. And I think you read the yeah. game better. Uh, they, they say, it's not factual, but it's, it's a common held belief in football that goalkeepers are the most intelligent players on the pitch because of the angles they have to cover and learn. And... Petr Cech was like the bastion of that. He was very, mm-hmm. presented himself very well, very articulate. And I, find, I think you find that with a lot of goalkeepers. And there are players that go above and beyond to hone their craft. And I think communication is so vital. I mean, look, let's talk about when we play Call of Duty here. No comms, no win. Simple as that. You know, sure. it's a, I mean, we managed pulling out the bag the other day. That's because we're just that good. No, yeah, well, but 75% of the, the team were comming. <laughs> so yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that's my point, right? 
you, you have to know yeah. what man on means. You have to know what press, press, press means. And if, if you don't speak the language, there's a lot of players that are stubborn to do it. I've, I think I've heard uh, Gareth Bale refused to learn uh, Spanish yeah. when he went to Spain. He can understand it, but he refuses to speak it. How's that going to build squad harmony? How's that going to make you feel like you're part of the team? Basically, you're isolating yourself from your teammates. Yeah, it's, it's just dumb. And like, you know, why not? improve your mental capacity and your memory because that's what learning a language is is improving mental capacity and if there's one thing footballers need is a mental capacity to hold and memorize stuff you need to know your layouts you need to know who's where and you need to know in the heat of the moment that you can just draw that information instantly and that's what learning a language does for you is it gives you that ability so not only does it allow you to communicate you know you, you can communicate with your German teammates, your French teammates without other people knowing, you know how to get to them or like, you know, pass the message when not everyone needs it. And that's why, you know, that's what makes a great captain, I think, is that ability to communicate to everyone, which he's uh, proved. Definitely. Right, well, that was the break showcase on pierre Roman. He's a world-class talent and he's had world-class moments. At the moment, he's had an absolutely shocking season, but who knows? I hope Indeed. he doesn't turn it yeah. around, but it looks like he might. Just the head-to-head results. So at the moment, the score is 13-3 to me. Yeah. Oh no, it's thirteen four. Thirteen four. Oh, me. I got a point. All right, yeah, I'll take it. Right. So let, let's go through some of the results here. Fulham, Chelsea. Ian, you went two 0 Fulham. You were wrong. Absolutely I went three one Chelsea. That's one point for me. Wolves, West Brom. I said two two, which wasn't far off. No, and not then bad. You went two one Wolves. So we were both wrong there. Leeds, Brighton. You went 3-2 Leeds. I went 1-0 Brighton. <laughs> what is it with me and getting the odd right result bang on? Hey, pure shithousery. That's what that is. Hey, that's 4-0 to me at the moment. Then West Ham Burnley. Oh, what was the West Ham Burnley score? Can you... Hang on, let me get this up before we carry uh, on. West Ham Burnley was 1-0 West Ham. Ian, you got it right. Did I worry? What? No. You got it right. No. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you, you said 1-0 West Ham and that's what it was. And I got it. Oh, sure. no, no one's going to believe it now. No, I'm the one who said it. It's 4-3. Uh, and then we got Aston Villa, Everton. But unfortunately, that was postponed that game, I believe. Yeah. So we will retain those results for another day. Um, Leicester, Southampton. We both disrespected South uh, Leicester City and they won 2-0. Uh, so we both got that wrong. You, I went 2-1 yeah. Southampton. You went 1-1. Sheffield United Spurs, you went 3 0. You went 3 1, didn't you? I did, yeah. Yeah, I could, as soon as you said it, I could sense it. That's why you said that one first. 7 3. Uh, oh that's 7 God, 4 to me this week. Man, I don't know what it is. Sometimes, I need to start putting 50p bets on them. I keep saying it. Just a little 50p spread. Yeah, man. Probably Get making a bit of cash. Uh, Liverpool, Manchester United. I went 2-1 United and I was wrong. You went 1-1, so you get one point. So that makes it 7-5. Man City, Crystal Palace. We both backed City. I went 5-0, not (laughs) 4-0. And you went 3-1. So we both get a point. So that makes it 8-6. Arsenal, Newcastle. I went 3-1. And you went 2-0. So we were flirting around oh. the right scoreline there. Yeah, I know. So that makes it 9-7. West Painful. Brom, West Ham. Wait, hang on. Have we already done that? Wait, what? Did I just do that one? No, Burnley. No, that was Burnley. West Brom, West Ham. No. Yeah, what yeah. was the score in that game, Ian? I can't remember. Off the top of my head. Uh, 2-1 West Ham. You went 1-1, so you were wrong. And I went 3-0 West Ham. So Two. Okay. 
So that would make it 10-7. Then Leicester City, Chelsea. I went 2-1 Leicester. And you went 1-0 Leicester. We both thought. We both oh, thought. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's 11-8 to me. Backed it. Leeds, Southampton. Uh, Leeds, Southampton. I don't think that game got played. It, did it get postponed? Yeah, I think that was a postponement, that one. All right, okay. Maybe we're just yeah, it's not on the board. Maybe we're just being absolute clowns there, guys. Or maybe, oh, hang on. That might have been... No, it wasn't. We just... We just uh, I think it got postponed. Uh, Fulham, Manchester United. Ian, you went 2-1. You son of a bitch. God. And I went 3-1. So hang on. Come on. That would have... That's... It's... It's 12-11. Oh. We both got Villa City wrong. You went 1-1. I went 2-0 Villa. Oh. And we both got Liverpool Burnley wrong, which means I win. No, come on. By a whisker. I win by Ooh, a whisker. Right. I, told you, I told you I was picking my game up. Oh. Let's get this done. Lordy Lord, that was too close for my liking. I can tell you that right now. Highway to the danger zone. Well, that makes me feel good considering I've dropped in the league table on the fantasy league. Yes, Jake Jake finally passed you. He told me the other night. Yeah, he he sent me a message. I just saw it said, uh, Jake sent a photo. I was like, I know what that fucking photo is. I know exactly what that is. I need to use my him above me in the table. I need to use my wild. Yeah, I need to do that as well. I need to do my triple captain. Yeah, I haven't used that yet either. Right. Moving on to game week 20, we've mm-hmm. got finally a, a game week that doesn't bleed over two weeks. It is officially all played in one week, which we love Thank to Christ. see. Due to so, a new job. What viewers, are we doing about will, tomorrow's game? Uh, tomorrow's game, we actually made a prediction on that earlier and it got postponed. Wow. So I will go back through and find that and put it into this game week. Due to my new job, I won't be able to watch <laughs> the football as regularly, but I will always watch the Manchester United games and watch Match of the Day. I'm sure you all know that. Let's go first. I will start. Crystal Palace versus West Ham. Hmm. I'm going to go 2 0 West Ham. That's what I was going to say. 3 um, 1 West Ham. 3 1 West Ham. Okay. Next game is Newcastle versus Leeds. Now, if I remember correctly, this was 5 2 earlier in the season, wasn't it? To Leeds. So, Ian, what would you like to go for? Well, Newcastle are on the greatest run. Uh, I'm going to go 3 1 Leeds. I think I just said that, but yeah, let's go with that again. That's all right. 3 1 Leeds. It's my favourite scoreline prediction. You know me. Um, mm. you, uh, I'm going to go 2 2. I have a feeling that. Okay. Bounce back for Newcastle. Yeah, I mean, look, I can I can be a bit risque. I've got a 10-point deficit on you, so I know you're going. But you wouldn't even need to play this round and you still win. Yeah. <laughs> Southampton versus Arsenal. Tough game. It was a tough game earlier in the season for them. It was 1-1. Obviously, Theo Walcott got his um, yeah. very satisfying goal against his former club. I'm going to go 1-1 again. I think it'll be a draw. I'm going to go 2-1 Southampton. Ooh, that's what you hope you mean. Yeah, of course I hope You that. don't want Arsenal to find some sort of form. No, thank you. Not at all. Oh, I'm an absolute bloody clown. I've done this over two pages accidentally because I'm an idiot. Right, okay. <laughs> well, I'll have the edit, don't worry. 
Burnley. Oh, West Brom, Manchester City. Oof, this is going to be an absolute slaughter. Um, what are we saying, Ian? Yeah. 4-1, Man City. 4-1, Man City. Okay. I'm going to go 2-1, Man City. I think they'll win. I just think they'll grind it out because I think they're in that mode like we are. Says it's going to be a slaughter fest, then says 2-1. Oh, jinx them, you see. Burnley, Aston Villa. Hard, because Burnley have just got an absolute tremendous result. Yeah, which might Villa are struggling. And Villa have also just been absolutely ravaged by COVID. So it is difficult yeah. to say. But I tell you what, Villa showed a lot of heart against City. We didn't really mm. speak about that, but they did. And I think yeah, that heart best. will carry them forward. So I'm going to go 2-1 Villa. Uh, I'm going to go 1-0 Villa. I'm going to back them. Jackie Grealish does, does the business, yeah. Let's see. Mm. Chelsea Wolves. Oof. Just as tricky to call. This is a hard game because they're both on terrible mm. form. What would you like to go for, Ian? Um, I'm going to go for the most boring of results, a nil-nil. A nil-nil. Ooh, that's mm. bold. That is, that is a bold claim. I'm going to go one nil Chelsea. Then we've got Brighton-Fulham. Ooh, again, this is a hard game to call because Brighton did just start to grind out a couple of good performances, but Fulham are also a tough Fulham team to tricky, break down. Yeah. What would you like to go for? Is it me? Oh, I was me first. For sure, you first, you first. I'm going 2-2. I'm going to go 2-1 Fulham. 2-1 Fulham, I wouldn't be surprised. The Amex has not been too kind to Brighton in recent times. Then we've got our first very interesting game of the weekend, which is Everton versus Leicester. Now, obviously, unfortunately, Everton haven't been ravaged by COVID, but they've had a lot of time off, which probably works in their favour because games have been postponed that they should have been involved in. Indeed. What would you like to go for? It's a tough one. Um, 3-2 Leicester. 3-2 3-2 Leicester. I mean, Leicester do have the second best away form in the Premier League, so that's not mm. a bad shout. I'm going for a draw. I think it's going to be 1-1. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can see that. Then we've got the mighty Manchester United. What's he going to go here? 3-0? 3-1? What are you saying? Versus Sheffield United. I'm going 2-0. 2-0 United. Mixing it up. Uh, I think we're not scoring enough, so I don't think we're going to score loads. That would be my opinion. Yeah, no, I see that. See, I was going to take that. Uh, I don't know what I'm going to say now. Um, let's. I'm going to take your scoreline, 3-1. 3-1. Man United. I wouldn't, I wouldn't be opposed to that. The more goals, the better for me. Fuck the goal difference, don't matter. Of course, of course. <laughs> I mean, it will matter on the last day of the season, but until we get to them, I don't really have to be worried about it. Right, Spurs, Liverpool, Ian, and you get to predict first. So the podium is yours. Right. The spotlight is yours. Where would you like to go? 1-0 Spurs, and it's going to be late, and that game's going to put me in an early grave. Or we're going to score in the opening three minutes, and it's just going to be... I'm going to have no nails left. Either way, it's going to, I will not be watching, because that's going to be a disgusting game. 2-0 Spurs, in my opinion. I like it. Uh, you'll kill the game off they'll press too aggressively you'll counter and you'll finish it that will be my opinion and Mourinho will be looking to uh, get revenge and he's very good at doing that um, for you scoring yes. a late winner against him and debating your yeah. title charge so I would blood imagine, is already in the water so let's yeah, get on it 
he'll want it. And if he turns up like he set them up against City, where City had all the ball and Spurs clearly were the fair winners, that's the way I, I could see it going. Oh, well, unless Liverpool bounce back, but at the moment they don't look like bouncing back. But I will say they do play better when the, when the, the better competition comes to them at the moment. So they sure. rise to the occasion. Okay, right. Well, that's another week done on the Brace Yourselves podcast, episode 15. We're at the halfway point of the season now, Ian, and mm. you know, there's no clear winner or out-and-out out out, someone breaking away from the pack. It feels very, very neck-and-neck, and for us, that's great because there's lots to talk about, but for all, from a non-podcast perspective, it's a nightmare for fans because we're all clenching our arseholes. Let's be completely frank about it. It's, so, it's not take, the calmest gone. of times. It's not the calmest of times right now at all. So we'll take what we can, take the victories where you can and celebrate them. Like whatever 100%. you can get out of the game. Oh, yes. As we say in our description, for anyone who's dedicated enough to read that, it's all to play for. And the Premier League is very much up for grabs. So we'll see you next week and we'll see whose hand is on the trophy then. Much love and peace. Peace.